Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class a show for those who can never know enough about history. I'm Gabe Luzier, and today we're talking about a lesser-known milestone of the atomic age, an early effort to prove that nuclear power was a safe and reliable means of generating electricity. The day was July 18, 1955. A ceremony commemorating the first sale of atomic electricity was held at a power plant in West Milton, New York. The Atomic Energy Commission facilitated the sale, and the buyer was a local power service called the Niagara Mohawk Power Company. The energy sold that day was generated by an experimental prototype reactor designed for the U.S. Navy. It was called the Submarine Intermediate Reactor or SIR, and it was housed inside an enormous containment sphere at the Kesselring site in upstate New York. As a prototype, the SIR plant would only be used for this one sale of energy produced by nuclear power. The point of the largely symbolic ceremony was to announce to the world that, ten years after the explosion of the first atomic bomb, the U.S. was now investing in more peaceful uses for nuclear power. U.S. atomic research began in earnest in the mid-1940s, in the midst of World War II. And as you might expect, most of the government's efforts centered on the development of nuclear weapons. It wasn't until after the war that focus shifted to civilian applications, such as generating power. On December 20, 1951, Idaho's Experimental Breeder Reactor 1, or EBR-1, became the first power plant to produce usable electricity through atomic fission. During the initial test, the plant generated enough electricity to power four 200-watt light bulbs, and it eventually produced enough juice to light the entire facility, 
However, none of the power produced by EBR-1 was ever distributed to the public. The country's first actual sale of atomic-generated power didn't occur until four years later. The event took place on July 18, 1955, at the Navy's SIR plant at the Kesselring site in West Milton, New York. The reactor there had been built as a prototype propulsion unit for use in nuclear submarines, such as the Nautilus and the Seawolf. But on the day of the ceremony, the plant's power output was instead applied to the local electrical grid. New Mexico Senator Clinton Anderson was on hand for the ceremony, and he took the occasion to remark on just how far nuclear research had come in only a decade. His speech began, quote, For all those whose faith in the peacetime promise of atomic energy has been unswerving, this is the day of vindication. On this day, steam from a prototype submarine reactor is being channeled into a turbine generator to produce electric energy, which can light homes and turn the wheels of industry. Today, we again have proof positive that the fantastic power of atomic energy, which in its military applications threatens to destroy all we hold dear, can also be bent to the ways of peace. When Senator Anderson finished, it was Louis Strauss's turn to speak. He was the then chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission, and he was the man tasked with throwing the switch that would send the power from the reactor flowing into the grid. Just like Anderson, Strauss praised the nation's newfound commitment to harnessing what he called the peaceful atom. Today, he said, this atomic power plant, designed and constructed for experimental military purposes, is being consecrated, in the most convincing manner possible, to the benefit of man. It is a moving demonstration that the atom can indeed be stripped of its military casing and adapted to the arts of peace. Strauss leaned into that theme even harder as he prepared to throw the switch, telling the crowd, quote, Before me stands a large two-way switch. If I throw its blade in one direction, it will turn the propeller shaft of a military weapon. But when I throw it in the other direction, as I am about to do, it will send atomic electric power surging through transmission lines to towns and villages, farms and factories. Power not to burst bombs or propel submarines, but to make life easier, healthier, and more abundant. This switch is a symbol of the great dilemma of our times. I throw it now to the side of the peaceful atom, and by that choice, we the people of the United States mark the beginning of a fulfillment of the scriptural injunction of Isaiah. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And with that nod to the Christian Bible, Strauss released 10,000 kilowatts of atomic electricity onto the grid, marking the first time in the nation's history that such power was sold to a private company and used by the public. Writing for The Guardian, Chief U.S. Correspondent Alistair Cook tried to imagine how the energy may have been used. There is, understandably, he wrote, no record of the uses to which consumers eventually put the first flow of atomic-generated electricity. For all that Mr. Strauss did was pull a big copper switch and wish the juice Godspeed as it passed to the private lines of the power company. But within the hour, it is reasonable to deduce that farmers were switching on their milking pumps, wilting children were swiping ice cream and soda water 
from a refrigerator powered, in a manner of speaking, by a submarine. Housewives would soon be cooking steaks, quite oblivious of the hazard of radioactive fallout. In the evening, blenders would whir to make cocktails, and it's pretty certain that in some humble house at nightfall, a man read about the doom of the H-bomb by the light of a bulb sparkling with atomic electricity. Like it or not, the atomic age had just been extended indefinitely, and it didn't take long for the nation's scientists to build on the success of that inaugural sale. About two and a half years later, the first commercial nuclear power plant in the U.S. was synchronized to the power grid in Pennsylvania. Known as the Shippingport Atomic Power Station, its light water reactor far exceeded the output of the SIR plant, making the continued sale of atomic electricity a reality at last. And Shippingport was just the beginning. As of 2023, the United States is currently home to 54 commercially operating nuclear power plants, with 92 nuclear power reactors spread across 28 U.S. states. Those reactors power tens of millions of American homes, accounting for about 18% of all the electricity produced in the country each year. Of course, the U.S. is far from the only nation to make use of nuclear power. In fact, atomic energy now provides about 10% of the world's electricity, with some countries relying on it more heavily than others. The first commercial sale of atomic electricity may be largely forgotten today, but the movement that it started and the controversy it entailed are still burning bright, and likely will be, for generations to come. I'm Gabe Lusier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays and Ben Hackett for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's KidSafe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free 